Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. One of the things we can always do better is keep informing you or sharing things that you're a part of that you may not know. And as we go into this year, always remember this. Being a follower of Jesus is not about who you got. It's about what you give in response to what you got. Amen to that? And I just, I just think it's so cool what God's doing here and what he's doing through you. Many of you know on Christmas Day, we had two services here. We flipped the script because I think that's what God's wanting to do right now, especially in this nation. Everything we know, and I really believe that God's wanting to turn it upside down. We've been serving, if you will, something that's been comfortable, something that, that, that we like, what we grew up in. And I think God's flipping it and saying it's time for a new day. It's time for something new. It's time for something fresh. And so we began it by saying Christmas isn't the end. It's the beginning of everything. Turned it upside down because God doesn't work from the outside in. He works from the inside out. And so we had 400 dozen, if you will, cookies and bags to take out. And many of you know that we never got them to the second service because after the first, they were gone. And I was so humbled by that. Stories like there's a, there's, a, there's a couple in the church today. They went out, delivered cookies and felt so moved by it. He and his wife went home and made 150 enchiladas and then went and found all the homeless people they could in Christmas and went and gave them all away. I mean, they're just stories like that. I just... and. It's so fun to be with him because when he begins to tell it, he can't even tell it. And so he just starts weeping, just the people that he met. And, and there's so many of those stories. Families that came back to the church say, hey, there's more cookies. And I'm like, no, not even your pastor got some, you know. I had to go, I had to go find my own, thank you. So I went to ever who you gave them, stole them, and then went out. And, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it was, it was crazy, but people came back and then so they couldn't, then they went and found some convenience store and bought out their cookies and went out and gave more. It's just the ripple effect. That's who we are. It's not something we do. It's the natural thing that we do as God's people. We receive, therefore we give, right? Well, you just keep doing that. And I, I just want to help you with this. Many of you know we have a, a relationship with Terry Redland. This might not seem a big deal, but these are ongoing all the time. So they're in parent-teacher conferences right now. So... Uh, 60 sack lunches were all put together and taken over to the faculty and staff and saying, listen, we just want to love on you as you're loving on these kids. I love that stuff. Many of you remember the dinner theater we just did because some people, we, we, we had one person who said, you know, well, there was nothing spiritual about it. They literally said that. And I said, listen, laughter is spiritual and there's not enough of it. Sometimes here's God's move in your life. <laughs> that was it. I mean, he just, he's like, laugh a little. Enjoy a little. Not everybody has to walk around looking like they need to poop. You know what I mean? And, 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 and oh, that's how you God is. God always is like this. We're in the church. You know what I mean? And it's like, my goodness. He said, come to heaven like a little children. I mean, we all know that if little kids walk around, we know something's wrong, right? Adults walk around like that and we think it's right. So it's, it's such a, it's an important thing. So we just wanted to laugh. Man, I thought it was great. It was just great. I was so proud of everybody. Um, Y'all know Jay Davies. Let me just stop there, okay? I love that guy, and I was so moved, man. I just, the guy's just, he just kills me. He just love it. And I just had a ball. It was just so fun to laugh and to see people use their gifts and talents. Well, part of it was, let's just help McCrossing's Boys Ranch. 
Let's just pour into them. I love what they do. I love their ministry out there. And so they were just hoping that maybe we could give them 1500 So we wrote them a check for 10000 That means that, that's you. People just giving, putting on and saying, we want to be a part. People just giving. I just love that stuff. Uh, many remember the boxes out there for, for nursing homes because most residents only have $60 a month for all of their consumables. Like, what if we can help them with that? So we collected 616 items, $9,843 beyond that to just give them so they could go buy those things and then use that $60, if you would, for someone else. Go give it away. Go love it. And so that happened. And then some of you might have been watching the news and um, you might uh, have heard what uh, the work in Liberia that we do. We can't help everyone. That's why we pour into Terry Redland. We can't help in everyone, but we can pour into one country. And we have an amazing relationship going on in Liberia. Many of you know we've, put, we've dug 10 wells of running water. We've helped so many things over there. Well, about three nights ago, they were having a worship service in one of the um, uh, slums area, very impoverished area, and a church that, that we're a part of there. They were having a worship service, and rebels came in with machetes in the service. And, and last I heard, 34 people were killed. Red Cross said, we can't help. The government said, we're not going to help. But World Hope, who we're partnered with, said, we will. And jo Dr. Joanne called me up and said, is there any way we can help? This is what I love about our LBA, the leaders of this church. And you need to know that. We have great leaders in this church. It's not about a, 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 a title. It's not about a position of power. It's about a heart after Jesus. And we were just, we just Thursday night had a gathering and talking about how can we bless more? How can we give more away? That was, that was a big part of the conversation. Well, Dr. Jan call, Dr. Joanne called me up and said, listen, they, they put together some of their needs right now instantly, and they need about 9,000, a little over $9,000 worth of items. And she said, is there any way the church can help? And uh, so I called up our head of our LBA, and he said, absolutely. And we sent him a check of 15000 and said, listen, that's, that's who you are. That's, that's what you give to in the vision that when, when those needs arise, we can respond to them. And God has continued to bless it. And I just want you to know, you guys are amazing to me. And of course, we're all about sending. We're all about sending a, a people being raised up, send out. And over the next few months, you're going to hear more and more about what God's doing in that. And it's so cool to see people who came to this church, found Christ. And then God called it, raised them up and called them out. Some of you know that Jeff and uh, Elaine, uh, Todd, they're down in Yankton. And uh, he sent us a picture this week, and I just wanted to share with you. Uh, they baptized four people. And, and what I love about it is, is that it wasn't but, I don't know how many years ago, 10 plus years ago, that we used to have bleachers in the back. Some of you might remember that. And uh, we didn't even have the extension on this, in, on this room. And uh, Elaine came to one service. Jeff came to another service. They're already living separately, filing for divorce. And God spoke in both of their hearts. And they put the marriage back together. They did the work. Eventually, we hired them in our children's ministry. And now they're down there. Look at the ripple effects. And it ties into what we're going to talk about. And listen to this. You are marked. You have been marked by God. I have no idea what you've been through. But if there's one thing about this series that we're going to spend the next eight weeks on, we're not going to talk about what Jesus did for you. It's time for us to get about what we need to do for Jesus. Because I hear Christians talking about, well, you know, I've been through this, I've been through that. Maybe God allowed all that. Yeah. 
Maybe even God endowed it. Maybe all that stuff that seems unfair. Maybe all the stuff that you think, if you will, would discount you or disqualify you was actually something God can use for all eternity and the ripple effects could be amazing. But that's really up to you. We're going to talk about that. Many of you know I grew up in the plains in Nebraska. And when you grow up in small towns, there's, if you will, most option for most boys is to work in the hay fields. Some kids, the tasseling corn was a big deal. I chose not to do that. But I, I like animals. So I grew up on ranches working in hay fields. And believe it or not, living on the back of a horse. I know some of you look and say, you're just one of those soft city kids. You have no idea who you're talking to. I actually have done some rodeoing. I've actually done some team roping. I did a lot on the back of a horse. I love fixing fence. I like working fence. I like building fence. And one of the things when you grow up on a ranch, per se, and you're in the hay field, you get to work with cattle, you're part of branding. I've spent some nights in the middle of the winter with calves coming out, sitting literally at my boss's house all night working, if you will, bringing the calves out of the blizzard, trying to get them in and keeping them alive. I've given mouth to mouth to a calf, which you actually don't do it through the mouth. You actually plug one nostril and do it through the nose because that's a lot of money to a, to, to a rancher. And I grew up doing that. And we all know this. There's a reason why you brand a calf and don't miss this. You brand it because you want to identify it to who its master is. Let me say it again. The brand is nothing more but a mark telling everybody who its master is. But brands and marks aren't just for cattle. They're actually everywhere, and I don't think we realize the power. In fact, you've probably heard name that tomb. We're going to name that brand. So you tell me. Just shout out. What is this? Junk. Someone said junk. <laughs> that, that's funny right there. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Thank you for coming. God bless you. All right. How about this one? How about this one? How about this one? How about this one? Isn't it amazing? But I don't even think you understand the power of what you just did. The very image, you knew instantly what it was. It's bearing the mark of its master. And you know what it represents. But it's not just a symbol, it's also a tagline. Like, now tell me who this is. We do it all for you. McDonald's. That was always the quiet one. The first service, no one got it. I'm like, I know where you don't eat. All right. How about this one? The happiest place on earth. Disney. And someone said, yeah. Someone shout out yesterday in my bedroom. Anyway, um, anyway, but there's something money can't buy, but for everything else, there's MasterCard. You're in good hands. Allstate. It doesn't matter what it is. From football, you all know what this means. It means Nebraska Cornhuskers. Stands for knowledge. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Hence why they struggle. Okay. In the eighties and nineties, everybody knew what this was. Chicago Bulls. And if you've been alive, anybody in the room knows the greatest of all time in baseball, the franchise, you don't have to like it, but they've built an empire. But a brand says a lot, isn't it? Whether you embrace it or not, it's a brand identifying something. And of course, there are brands, there's marks that aren't so good. Some of you might remember this one from the far side. <laughs> but here's why I say this. What's your brand? You have one. You know the mark that people associate with you? Lazy. Selfish. Workaholic. Drunk. Devoted friend. Kind. Good neighbor. What's your mark? What's your brand? And you can tell me what you think it is. What's everybody else telling you it is? What is your mark? I want you to look at the screen if you would, and I want you to read out loud with me from Galatians 6. This is Paul speaking. Read it with me. From now on, stop there, from now on. Notice that. You know what he's saying? It doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter who you think I am. From now on. From now on. From now on. Look what it says. Read with me. Let no one cause me trouble. Read that with me. Okay. Can we keep that up there, please? Thank you. Okay. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Do you? We all have brands, people. True? Do not answer that. If it is and it's God, tell him hi. Okay? <clears throat> we all have marks. We all have marks. There's an off button somewhere, okay? <laughs> we, listen, we all have marks, don't we? And some of you have spent your life not understanding the beauty in them. That's a beauty mark. And you don't even realize how beautiful it is. You spend all your life looking at your marks, playing the victim, and you never even get to realize the victor. But I'm divorced. I want you to catch this. This is a series not about what Jesus has done. This is a series about what you and I need to start doing. So what? I was last in my class. So what? I'm the little fat girl. So When have you ever stopped to think, I'm actually fearfully, wonderfully made, and God does not make junk? That's a mark. 
Some of you have gone through things you think it's just not fair. Where's God? But those are privileged scars. A heavenly tattoo. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? We're marked. We're marked by God. Don't tell me I'm bad. Okay. And I promise you this, when I leave, I'm going to ride away on my Schwinn too. I know I do stupid things, but you know I spend a lot of time out in the world. Some people think I just sit in an office. You'd be amazed. I have a boatload of stories with people who have these. Oh, I know that there's generational things and people think that's ridiculous. And I'm not here to argue it. I just find it interesting. Something's deep enough in them, they're willing to put something on their body. They're stuck for life. And I know people who have nothing on their body and they won't even talk about Christ. You have no idea the stories I've had with people. Hey, I noticed your tattoo. Tell me about it. Still to this day, every one of them has a story. Bearing a scar, a privilege marked on their body to remind them of something. A waitress telling me three years ago I lost my child. That's what this dove means. And I realized that I can fall victim to it or I can recognize I had gift for a moment. And that dove means that something beautiful can still happen. Like, wow. Tell me about that one. <laughs> my dad died. My dad was my best friend. Another over here, never met my mother. I was adopted. I don't even know who my parents are, but I'm sure grateful for the ones I got. But I put this in my body because it reminds me. Every one of them is a story. A story of hope. A story that might have a ripple effect to touch someone else. And I'm like, wow, I need to have a church like that. You've been marked. You may feel underqualified. You may feel not worthy, but my friends, you've been marked. I don't know what you've gone through, what you're about to go through, or what you're going through, but God has marked you for a purpose. He's marked you for an impact. He's marked you for a destiny, and eternity's all over it. But we better learn something here. I'll say it again. This series is not about what God's done for you. This series is about what we need to be doing for God. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. And I want you to look at someone right now as you're doing that and say, I'm God's masterpiece. God, that was quiet. Look at someone and say, you're God's masterpiece. Isn't it amazing how much easier that is to say? But there's something wrong with that, folks, because you really can't give what you've never really received. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
I've had people say, Pastor, you're a little arrogant. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I don't even know what you mean by that, but I want you to know this. My Bible says, and Paul said it, I know whom I believeth, and I'm convinced he's able to guard that which I've entrusted. It's time for God's church to have a little swagger because we know who our daddy is. And that's what this series is about. It's time to get about the father's business. It's time. There's too much people praying for a sign. Well, I just ask God. I just keep asking God. And I just keep asking God. I'm like, what do you ask him? God, show me. Just tell me. Open that door. Do all that stuff. And I, I just read this week. Again, I'm going through Luke. And here's what Jesus said. Only a perverse, sinful generation asks for a sign. Why do you keep asking? How about you get out and start living? Amen. And watch what I can do. That's what this series is about. So 1 Samuel, we're talking about Saul. A lot of people look at King David and we, we think that somehow, but King David, the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. Look at his life. But what you need to understand was King David was God's second choice. We'll be talking that out in a, in a, in a, in a few weeks ahead. But God had a first choice. His name was Saul. And this may not be biblical, but here's what I believe. I don't think it was God's plan to have a second king. And I don't think it's God's plan to have a second you. But there will be a second you if you don't choose to be you. We love to say this all the time. He's a God of one, two, three, four. He's a God of 10 chances, 20 chances. But let me tell you about God. He's not a God of perpetual chances. There's eventually he'll come to a point and there's no more chance. I want to show you that in scripture. We love to say time's running out. We got to quit saying that. Time isn't running out. It will run out. And you don't know when. And it's time for us to catch this. I want you to look what the Bible says. 1 Samuel 9, beginning in the 15th verse. Here's what it says. It'll be on the screen. Now the day before Saul came. Saul, he's not king yet. The Lord had revealed this to Samuel. Samuel being the prophet of that day. God's going to speak to Samuel which in the Old Testament that happened quite often, but it still happens in the New. We're not going to get into that. But before Saul came, the Lord had revealed. Who revealed? The Lord had revealed this to the prophet Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man. Who's going to send the man? God is. The Lord is. I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, Anoint him ruler over my people. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people for their cry has reached me. When Samuel the prophet caught sight of Saul, the Lord said, who said? The Lord. This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? In other words, what he's saying is, where's the prophet? I know that there's one here of God. I'm supposed to find him. Where is he? I am he. I am the seer. I am the prophet, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me. 
And in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkey, and donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them, they have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? In other words, you need to know, God told me to tell you, you're it. You're the man. You're God's king. Watch this. Saul answered, but I am not. But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such things to me? I'm the little fat kid. I've been to prison. I have an addiction. I've been divorced. I'm not very smart. But my question is, what has the Lord said? Because I'm pretty sure he hasn't said that. I want to tell you three things about being marked. And if we're going to get about the business of God, and please hear this, last week, Reed sort of set things up. We started the year with Christmas because Christmas isn't the end of anything. It's the beginning of everything. I talked to you about hell, and the reason for that is because we better start figuring this thing out. Narrows the gate, few find it. It's very real. Not everybody's going to heaven. That ain't in the Bible. That makes God a liar. And Reed talked about David being a matter of the heart. I can't tell you what to believe. You're going to live that out and already are. But I'm going to show you something, and if it really is a hard issue and you really want to understand what it means to be marked by God and get about the Father's business, this series is going to change your life. I will be able to equip you in ways and oh, the joy that will flood your soul. But there's three things you need to understand. So if you have your notes, I want you to write the first one down. You are marked. Say it with me. You are marked. Own it. I am marked. Say it. Stop discounting that. If you're marked, stop discounting that. I mean, let's just play it out. How many times have you found a piece of priceless artwork at the dollar store? How often do you discover a masterpiece at discounted prices? Now, I know there are stories about accidents. Notice what I just said. They're accidents, you know. You've been to a thousand garage sales. You gave them a quarter and they had no clue. Babe Ruth signed that ball. You know what I mean? You got lucky. But no one in this room turns to their spouse and says, let's stop at the dollar store. They have priceless works of art there. Hence the word dollar store. I'm not making light of that. Thank God for dollar stores. But why do you keep selling yourself there? Why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep crossing out God's price on you and marking it down? You know, I'm a child of the king, but I can't find the right guy, so I'm just going to give myself away sexually because that's what he wants, and I'm going to lower myself the price that God made me. 
I'm a masterpiece, but I'm going to cross that out because my friends want me to go out and drink and I really want to fit in right now. Why do we keep discounting what God, are you God's masterpiece or are you going to keep living as a disaster piece? God don't make junk, people. You're not junk. You're priceless to God. Enough he'd lay down his own life to buy you. Think what he left to come purchase you and the cost that you were to him. That's why the joy was set before him. He endured the cross. And he'd do it again and again, but praise God, he doesn't have to. You may feel like Paul, I'm a chief of sinners, but you're wrong. You're on a team of winners. You know how you win a Super Bowl? You show up with a little swagger. You know how you lose a Super Bowl? Well, you know, you see how it works out. We need a few more Tom Brady's in God's church today, folks. Folks, listen. God knows what you can't do. He knows what you can't. He knows what you did. He knows what you and I can't do. But you want to ready for this? But he knows what he can do. The question is, do you know that? Folks, the two most important days in your life, I've said it before, is the day you're born and the day you figure out why. Because you were born with a purpose. You're not an accident. But I don't know who my daddy is. You can know this daddy. You don't know what I've done. Please don't get me. Don't care. He does too. And he says, but I love you. I want to show you what I can do with that. Because there's a promise in scripture. So you know what it says? You know what it says? I can work for the good in all things. I don't have to say I can work for God because I am God and everything I do is good. Folks, Saul was marked. He was God's first king. He was God's man. The Bible tells us he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. The Bible tells us he was supposed to rule a long, long time. The Bible tells us that his family would be established again and again over and over. The Bible tells us that he was anointed by God. Man, if Saul would have just read that. Imagine if the truth would have set him free. But I'm, but I'm not this, I'm not that. God doesn't need your ability, people. He wants your availability. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. He wants to show you what he can do. He knows what you've done. He knows where you've been. You're marked. Stop discounting it. Here's number two. You're marked. Stop disqualifying that. You're marked by God. Stop disqualifying yourself. You've already been marking yourself down. Stop it. But stop disqualifying yourself. Here's what I've discovered. The lack of revival in the world is not because there's a shortage of God's want. There's been way too much of a shortage of God's people being obedient to his will. 
Just because you don't get it, I don't get it, doesn't mean God doesn't got it, folks. You might want to write this down. He's not playing checkers with your life. He's playing chess. And he's six moves ahead of you. You're looking at the board going, I don't get it. And God's like, yeah, I am. If you'll trust me, I'm about to take you with my king. (laughs) That's a king I want to take me out. You can checkmate me any day you want, God. Amen to that? He's six moves ahead. Folks, listen to this. The reason Saul was no longer the king, the reason that Saul was no longer the king was not because God wanted him out. It's because Saul took himself out. He disqualified himself. No one can disqualify you but you. No one can disqualify you, not your circumstance, not others. I don't care. It's wrong. No one can disqualify you but you. Why do that? Stop it. We just read in verse 17 when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, who said it? That's the man I told you about. He's the one that will rule my people. That was God speaking. Folks, only God can qualify the unqualified. But my question is, why is the unqualified of who he qualified keep unqualifying themselves? It just doesn't make sense. Paul wrote, it's not what we think. Ready for this? It's not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from the Lord. The reason I do what I do isn't because of Keith Lloyd. It's because of God. I don't like being in front of people. But you're so good at it. I'm not so good at it. It's just that God can do what he wants. He can do what he wants. We've got to trust that. L- listen to these words. It's out of the book by David Hawkins called Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender. The unconscious, believe it or not, this happens more than we want. The unconscious will allow us to have only what we think we deserve. The more we hang on to our negativity and the small self-image that results from that negativity, the less we think we deserve and we unconsciously deny ourselves the abundance which should flow so easily to others. Living the abundant life is easy. Anything less is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Stop disqualifying yourself. You're marked. But here's number three, you are marked. I said it, stop discounting, stop disqualifying, and start discovering that. That's a hard issue. I wanna show you in the next several weeks what it means to really discover it. I'm gonna give you three quick things as we wrap this up. I wanna give you some key truths to discovering. Here's the first one, and we say it all the time, we preach this all the time. But here's the first one. You have to develop a God-promised perception of who you are. That's why we read the Bible. I don't go to a life group, so I'm in the Word and we study it and that's all good. I don't go to a life group going, hey, do I even agree with myself and what I said? You know, Let's argue that for a moment. I read the Bible because I want to know about this one who made me because he told me he made me perfectly and wonderfully made just the way he wanted me to be to be purposed. I want to know about that God who loves me and I want to learn about what he says about me because the world's going to always tell me a lie. And too many people are paralyzed by the lie. 
See, you have to stop looking around at what you see. You have to stop listening to what you hear and start trusting what God says. That's what it means to live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith. Again, the Lord said, that's the man right there, Samuel. That's the dude. That's the man. He'll rule my people. But here comes Saul. What's he say? But I'm, but I'm. I can only wonder how many times God has tried to give us another level of his blessing, another level of his anointing, another level of his favor. But our first thought is, but I'm, but I haven't had, if you just knew where I'd been, as if God's going to say, watch this, as if God's going to go, oh, so glad you, I, I just had a little brain fart, sorry, wasn't thinking, you're right. That's a theology moment. Because the moment you say those things, that's what you really believe God is. You really think he screwed up. And your life will follow. It's got to stop. You got to stop. You got to have a truth about you. You're not going to find it in the world. You're going to find it in your future mate. You're not going to find it in your kids. You're not going to find it in your job. You're going to find it in the word of God. What God says. Folks, no one knows everything they need to know. No one sees everything they need to see. No one gets everything they got. But if they got Jesus, that's really all you ever need. <laughs> okay? That's what the Bible says. It's a light unto my path. It's a lamp unto my feet. But we tend to look up and go, ah. Guys go, no, no, just take the next step. Because if you're taking the step and you understand what I said, you'll always be where I want you to go. But we keep looking up, looking for a sign. The sign's in the word. Read it. Trust it, people. Read it. God's got it. And yet I wonder how many people are paralyzed in the sidelines because I'm only. That's why you got to start moving against your insecurities. You got to move against those false perceptions, those lies about who you are. You got to stop saying, but I, and start getting up every morning, rising every morning, saying, here I am, God, let's get this party started. I can't wait for the world to meet you and me today. And amazing what God can do. Amen to that? Amen. Folks, listen. Saul was defeated before he ever got started. But he's a God of second chances. And that's number two. If we're going to discover God's mark, we got to get into a humbled position. A humbled position. And so many people don't even know what humility is. They think humility is putting yourself down. That is not. That's a, that's a form of pride because you're still the focus. You can walk around and go, man, I'm the biggest dude in the world. Going to fall. It's the same thing when you go, I'm nobody. That's pride. You're still the middle letter. God don't make junk. You've been purposed and marked by God. Everything you've ever gone through up in this point. God is getting ready to do something. You can't imagine playing chess, not checkers. Get into a humble position. So in 1 Samuel 13, verse 7, prophet, second chance God, 
Samuel comes to Saul with an instruction. Let me tell you what God says. I want you to go down. Notice that. I want you to go down. Notice the position. I want you to go down to Gilgal, and I want you to wait, which is probably, I think, the biggest form of understanding a trait of humility. See, humbleness is getting before God. That's what Peter says. When you get humble before God, he will lift you up. Do you know why we're impatient? Because we're prideful. Do you know why we're in a hurry? Because we're prideful. Humility says, I'll just wait. Because God is always on time. I've had people go, but it's life and death. So was Lazarus. He was dead for four days. God showed up at the right time. The grave can't overcome him, folks. That was the whole point of the story. Wait. So Samuel says, God told me, you go down to Gilgal and you wait for me. I'm about to give you a lot of victories. I'm about to have you win all kinds of battles, but you have to wait for me, Saul, and we'll make the sacrifice together. 1 Samuel 13, verse 7. So Saul stayed at Gilgal, but, you know how much I love buts, his men were trembling in fear. You might want to write this down. Fear is the breeding ground for foolishness. Fear is the breeding ground for foolishness. When people get scared, they do stupid. Because he's not a God of fear. And that is not humility. That's pride. So look what happens. So Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, just as the prophet Samuel instructed. He said, you just wait seven days. I'll be there in seven days. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But look what happens. But Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring the burnt offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. I want to stop there. I want you to look at the screen. We're going to put Isaiah 55, 11 up there. Isaiah 55, 11, put up on the screen. I want everybody to read it out loud with me. Come on, this is a promise. God is speaking. Read it with me. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I don't know what you're going through. I, please hear this. It doesn't matter. God's word never fails. It only fails because you and I didn't wait for it. Have you ever seen those in a movie? Wait for it. Wait for it. God's word always does what he said it would do. But look what happens. 1 Samuel 13 verse 8. Just as he was finishing with the sacrifice, Saul was. Anybody knows who showed up? Samuel. Don't miss this. Because I've had people go, but it's the seventh day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's the seventh day. But here's something you need to know about a day. With every sunrise, there's always going to be a sunset. And even after the sunset, the day isn't open because there's still parts in the darkness. You know what I'm learning? We don't like God in the darkness. We want him in the light. We sort of want to wake up. There's the sunrise, and here comes Samuel. 
God said, you wait seven days, I'll be there. He just didn't say the hour he would come. And that's why Jesus said, no one knows the day nor the hour of my return, but you be ready. Wait. <laughs> that's what humility does. Wait. You know why we're humble? Because we just know that God never fails. That's why we'll kneel before him because he always comes through. See, I say all that because I want you to get this. God is always closer to fixing your situation than you'll ever see or ever believe. Always. But now don't miss this. Look what Samuel says. How foolish. How foolish you were, Saul. How foolish. Can I go on with this? To run your own business without God. How foolish to build a marriage without God. How foolish to raise your kids without God. How foolish to complete college without God. How foolish to start dating someone without God. Look at 1 Samuel 13, 13. How foolish Samuel explained. Watch what he says. You have not kept the commands the Lord gave you. But he's a God of second chances, right? Here's number three, and I'll invite Ryan to the stage. If we're going to discover God's mark, you have to live in complete obedience to his word. See, we have to, that's what we need to be in it. We've got to develop a God-promised perception of who we are. And then we have to get into a humble position and just wait. Let him do what he's going to do in his timing. But while I'm doing it, I don't need a sign, God. I've got your word. It's a lamp into my feet. It's a light into my path. I don't need to keep praying, God, show me, show me, show me. When he already has. I won't fail you. Just do what I ask. Folks, there's no such thing as partial obedience when it comes to God. There's just none. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will obey all my commands. Everything I commanded, you'll obey them all if you love me. Because you know who I am. So here it comes. So God again tells Samuel the prophet, go tell Saul, I'm going to send you into battle. But I have some marching orders. Tell him you're to go kill all the Amalekites. Kill everything. Everybody, leave nothing unturned. Leave it all behind. Don't take anything with you. 1 Samuel 15, verse 7. But look what Saul does. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, but he spared the king's life. And he kept the best of the sheep and the goats, the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything in fact that appealed to them, to him. What did God say? You're the man, but... What did God say? Wait, but... What did God say? You go and do. Here's, here's what I need you to do. He did everything except. I can only wonder, what's your everything except? You know, he told you to get your finances in order. And so you started to and some money got loosened up. 
You're on the right road except you wanted the new car. God told you to spend more time with your family and it might even mean a pay cut except it was the raise you had been waiting for in the position you'd been hoping and praying for. God wants you to be married. And he says, here's how I want you to do it, except we love each other. And you're already under a lie because there's no love outside the Father. You can't love somebody forever unless you know forever. <laughs> Started down the right road, <laughs> except things change, right? See, I, I think there's some good in a pandemic that hit almost two years ago. What I've been struggling with is all the accepts. Why would a pandemic change you to look less like Christ when it's temporal? Why would a pandemic make you act less like Christ, live less like Christ? Oh, I think he makes us wiser. I've shared that. There's a lot of things that we needed to, we needed to slow down, didn't we? It's a beautiful thing when everybody got a little more isolated and all of a sudden you couldn't find games because people are playing games again. Hot tubs were gone. No one could find them anywhere and people are starting to realize that needed time together. It was beautiful. Those are beautiful things, people. Four-wheelers are being bought. Families out four-wheeling together. All kinds of things were just, oh, that's awesome. But are some things changed that you might need to take a look at, accept, accept. I want you to see something in 1 Samuel 15, 10. I don't want you to miss this. God speaking. Remember the God of chances? I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king. It's the second time now that God looked at humanity and said, I'm sorry I made him. I don't want to hear God go, I'm, I'm so sorry I made you pastor. Okay, I'm so sorry I, I made him your husband. I'm so sorry, Jordan, Jaden, Jackson, that I made him your dad. That wouldn't be God's choosing. That was mine. I discounted myself. I disqualified myself. That wasn't what God had. I know the plans I have for you. My plans are for a future, for a hope, to bring about all these things. But I'm not a puppeteer and you're not my puppet. What did God say? Folks, listen, if you don't get that you're marked by God, you're going to always live out of your inadequacies that you've put on your life. That's all you're going to get. What is your brand? What is your mark? Because what you believe when you look at them. So the same waitress could have said, yeah, I had a baby die. 
I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I'm terrible. That's what you want the world to know. But she didn't. She's bearing a mark on her body that's so full of pain, but she believes it's so full of promise. And that God can do something with her that's beyond anything you could ever dream or imagine. I mean, so many people have scriptures tattooed in their bodies. I'm like, yeah. I'd show you mine, but I'd have to take my pants off. And so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You needed a smile. <laughs> but what you believe about the marks of your past is who you will be and how you will live in the future. Would you pray with me? Father, here we are. We've been marked. We've been marked by you, but it's a fine line between David, a man after God's own heart, and Saul. Father, it's the exact same anointing you put on both the same mantle, the same calling. But the message is, how are we stewarding that? What you've given us, what you've allowed in our lives. So God, I really pray right now that our posture is, Father, we repent. We repent right now for viewing ourselves not like you view us. We repent, Father, for walking in pride in our positions or our perceptions of our rank or that we think we're rank on what we have or don't have and what our family is right now or where it should be. Father, we repent. Father, we repent for being partially obedient, for not doing everything you've said. Father, right now we repent and we're coming back to you. Forgive us for looking to the left, for looking to the right, to what others have said or done to us when you have marked us for greatness. And God, I'm believing right now repentance is going on all over this place. And Father, I thank you that you're right now doing a work from the inside out, not from the outside in. And I'm asking you to repeat after me. You can do it out loud. You can do it quietly. Just say, God, I repent for being selfish. I repent for not cutting off that relationship. I repent for watching things I shouldn't have been watching. I repent. I don't want to disqualify myself from all of your purpose and plans for me. Mark me again. Mark me for the first time. Remark me, God. And I'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. 
we love you and we believe in you. God bless.